Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener, your host, Ken Lane, here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona. And this is the season we... This is our favorite season, fall. I mean, spring is beautiful too. I mean, we've been pent up indoors for winter. You've, you can only bake cookies and sip tea and look outside for so long. But spring hits and it's everything's starting to bloom. It's coming up from the ground. All those perennials are coming back fresh. They've been hibernating underground, but but it's kind of windy. It gets chilly sometimes. It's, it's really nice. It's not so nice. There's snow. Fall. It's just beautiful. All the time, there's no wind. There's a storm. The monsoons are going a little longer than maybe they normally do. Usually by the end of September, they're done. It still feels like we could get some moisture. Hopefully, this means we'll get a, a good snowstorm, a snowpack this winter. But no, never believe the weatherman. Whatever you, whatever you think, whatever they predict... It's going to be the opposite. I'm just, that doesn't even matter. So, but we could use it. So I did hear you folks in Flagstaff saw some snow. Now, I drove down through Flagstaff, you know, Williams, the Grand Canyon area, that uh, that North Country uh, earlier in the week. And it, it might have been snow or it could have been more likely hail. I did see hail on the ground up there, but I heard that you all did get some major weather events that's good hopefully it sets a stage so the ski season is unbelievable i'll power up the the skis and be ready to go uh, but yeah, we could use some snow mainly on the western half of the rockies that's what feeds the colorado river all that snowpack and so if the ground is moist like it is and we get a snowpack that could recharge lake mead lake powell and that entire colorado basin uh, you know, water system. That's what we need. It's been, been a couple of years. It's been three years since we've seen that, really. But boy, the gardens are, are good. It is so easy to dig a hole in the ground right now. If you've worked out in the yard, it's like easy digging. If you wait till summer, it's like get a digging bar and a jackhammer. It's so rough. It's so hard. Uh, but now it's easy. That's also another reason. So it's a good time to plant. So you're, you're seeing in all your garden catalogs, garden blogs, fall's the best time to plant. And that's true. It's a very good time to put new plants in the ground, especially bigger plants, evergreens, shrubs, hedgerows, privacy screens, your fall perennials. This is your time. It's a really good time. Uh, but you really do need to do some homework on how to install them. So just opening up the earth because it's easy to work and throw a plant in, it's going to turn into a, a brick later in summer, up here in the mountains especially. So that's why you do really want to, when you open that earth, how you plant is you'll take a new, let's say, uh, Eliagnus, a native cotoneaster, some, some mums you're putting in the ground, a, a nice new spruce tree, that, that Christmas tree looking tree, Whatever those things are, when you, when you open up that earth, you're only digging that hole as deep as the bucket. No deeper. It doesn't have to go down to China. Roots go out sideways. They go out horizontal because that's how they're going to pick up the food and the moisture. There's nothing down there deep for them. 
So just dig the hole as deep as the bucket, but wide. Go three times as wide, kind of saucer shaped. And so with that earth that you've got out of the ground, you're going to screen that out and kind of dig out all the big chunks, big roots, big rocks, kind of filter it, screen it, kind of sift it out. Anything bigger than a golf ball is bad for the plant. It'll heat up in summer. It, it holds it, do, it doesn't hold any moisture, so it's the water molecules, the particles are too big for water to kind of stay around it, and then it bakes the roots. It actually warms the soil up. So screen that stuff out of there. What's left, you want to actually add or reintroduce some organics into that soil. So your contractor scraped off all the topsoil when they were building your house. You're going to need some natural organic compost or mulch to uh, reintroduced into that soil, that's what's going to attract worms, mycorrhizal colonies, all the beneficials that help to get your plants to root out into that surrounding soil. They need some of that. But more importantly, you're changing the structure of the soil. So you got heavy clay. Typically, most of us have clay soils here. Not all. Some of you folks out towards the, the like Granite Mountain, that area, at Williamson Valley, you've got granite soil. The first 18 inches is granite. Then you've got this hard pan underneath. So it just depends. But most of us have at least pockets of heavy clay. What mulch does, so we, we make a, a premium compost. It's a, we call it premium mulch, but it's composted material, screened down to quarter inch minus. And so what it's made to do is to add about 25% mulch to your native soil, or about one shovel's worth of mulch to three shovels worth of your native earth. What we're trying to do is introduce organics to the worms and mycorrhizal colonies are, are starting, they are attracted to this surrounding hole, so the, the dirt around that plant, but mainly it keeps that clay from compacting right back down within just one or two rain cycles and it'll just right back to this hard, heavy clay soil. It actually adds some fluff it keeps the clay from compacting back down around that, that root. So now the roots can get through that surrounding soil easier, faster, stronger. You'll have a better root structure. So you'll take that blended mulch to native earth mixture, backfill around the root ball, water it in. What I'll do afterwards is I'll, I'll add a handful at the recommended rate uh, of, of all-purpose plant food. It's an organic food that kind of slowly breaks down as that plant starts to root, kind of encourages larger roots, longer roots, stronger roots. And then I'll water it in with root and grow. It's a compost tea that, that we brew. It looks like molasses. It looks like fish, fish emulsion. If you've ever used fish goo in a, in a bucket, it's a great fertilizer, but it stinks to high heaven. This is like that, but without the stink. But it's still, it just activates the roots so this plant will root out faster. In Arizona, or any dry climate, it's all about the roots. You get the roots out there, and it, it, the plant just become, it becomes stronger. It just grows. If the roots don't take off, they're surrounded by heavy clay. There's no worms help add the enzymes to make the roots kind of want to grow more, add, add oxygen to the roots. Uh, it's just not going to, it'll sit there. It won't die, but it just won't grow. And so that's, that's the secret. And so add some mulch, add some food, add some root and grow. And for trees, especially evergreens at this time of year, 
you wouldn't think you'd need this, but but we're going to have heavy snows in three months. So you know, end of end of December, January, February, first part of March, we can get these real heavy snows. And so it can light up on this pine tree or, or spruce or juniper, or Arizona cypress. And it, all of a sudden it just, that tree kind of boop, boop, goes over, just kind of falls, flops over. And so you've rooted out, so you plant now, you've got three months of roots, heavy snow comes and it turns. It doesn't kill the plant, but it breaks all those new root hairs. So you're kind of starting back from square one. Put a stake on either side of that tree, even a smaller one, a, a three, four or five footer evergreen. Uh, that, that snow loads up on those branches and it just puts so much weight, they just bend over. The stakes keep it upright. Just a little bit goes a long way. So I would say stake your trees. I would even go so far as to say a new maple tree or aspens, uh, new ash or locust tree. These deciduous trees that, that are such great shade color. They at autumn, fall colors, shade trees, fruit trees. Stake those. Not so much for the snow in winter, but for the spring wind. So those trees, they'll be fine through winter. They'll stand by themselves. They don't need stakes. But in the spring, they sort of, they'll start to leaf out and they become huge parachutes. They just start leaning. That prevailing southwest wind always blows, getting that tree to bend, to kind of lean to the northeast. Then it will load up with apples or pears and just go, boom, fall right over. Or the wind will, windstorm will come in and just kind of boom, get it to fall right over. Get that thing to grow straight and strong and it'll be set for life. Get it to leaning, you're going to have issues with like windstorms we had this week and cause issues. So stake even your shade trees, your fruit trees, but especially evergreens. So mulch, food, root and grow, and stakes for trees. That's how you grow or plant a tree here in the mountains of Arizona. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Trees prefer a locally delicious plant food, and the really big trees prefer you get it from Waters Garden Center. Your plant luck changes the moment you step through the doors. You can actually feel it happening. Time slows down, your neck muscles relax, and the radio plays better music. It may look like we sell trees and shrubs, but what we really sell is the perfect day. Waters Garden Center, here in Prescott, the place where people who love to garden, they love to shop. We believe fresh air in the garden is good for you at Waters Garden Center. Waters October companion plants that grow well together are Burning Bush, Arizona Creeper, Spicy Mums, Glamour Kale, and Prescott Blaze Maple. Prescott Blaze Maples have extreme growth of three feet or more each year. The fall color glows like embers in a blaze hot fire, thus the name. There's no better red maple to plant locally. Perfect for patios or any place shade is needed. And a big bold tree is just $149. You'll find the best fall shade trees here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. And we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week with your garden questions. Just what are your neighbors talking about? And boy, have we gotten the questions about wind and hail and every other storm that could happen in the 
in the city this last week. This is North Country. It hit everywhere. So welcome to the studio, Lisa. Thank you. Good to be here. Yep. Yeah, that was quite the storm. Was that Monday or Tuesday or Monday. Oh, several days? Monday. So uh, it's been a, been a week and uh, things are starting to dry out. <laughs> the trees got beat up. A lot of our trees yeah. got blown over. Mm -hmm. uh, the trees in boxes got blown over. Trees just in the yard got blown over. Our coleus, you see our coleus in the back yeah, patio? Poor baby. Huge four foot <laughs> coleus is now laying down the ground. I sticked it up this morning trying to get it to... Be yeah. glorious again. So that's just part of the mountain storms. Yeah. Broke our gazing ball. I saw pieces all over the ground. <laughs> yeah. Got it all picked up before the puppy eats the char. Oh, Who knows what yeah. puppies are thinking sometimes. Wow. Especially so, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, quite the storm. And we do have a question about that. Scott oh. in Prescott, his okay. neighbor's Aspen, okay. went over. So he, um, they were able to put it back upright and yeah. kind of restake it. His question is, what are the odds of survival for it? Uh, will it make it? And what can he do to help with the survival? Yeah. So, so that's, so if your tree's down or maybe a crack, here's a couple of things we can do. So aspens have shallow, wide roots. And mm -hmm. so it probably had roots where the watering system was and maybe didn't have it on that leeward side of the wind. And so yeah. it just kind of gave way. My guess is some of the roots were still left in the ground. Otherwise it would have snapped off right. and you wouldn't have tried to pick it back up. So Scott, I'm just some assumptions here. If you set it back up, it's probably going to live. It'll be fine. You need to get some more roots forming because you did snap off some of those roots. What do you do? So get, get, lean it back up. And then you're not going to have a lot of roots until after you get some this fall and then some next spring. After next spring's flush of growth, it'll probably be all fine. And you'll know by next spring, oh, yeah. oh it recovered. Or you know, the work my neighbor and I did, it worked or it didn't work. You don't know until next year. So it's worth a try. Right now, fertilize. Put the 744 all-purpose plant food all around that, that root structure. That'll increase bud growth for next spring, leaf growth, uh, the catkins. It'll just help the overall growth. But in addition, get a bag of humic. Mm -hmm. Humic is humic acid. It's a granular. You spread it like your fertilizers, but it encourages deeper roots. It, it stimulates, tickles the feet of, of trees, of plants, and helps it to root out. Generally, we use humic on stressed out plants mm -hmm. or brand new plants. You just want to get rooted out faster. That's what it's really for. Or you're starting a new lawn, you get new new bulbs on, on flower bulbs, things you want to root out quickly and then get them to grow. But it would really work on your aspen that fell over, any tree that, that's, that's stressed like that. So humic and the all-purpose plant food, spread them right now by the end of the month or right away this weekend. Spread it and that'll help you over the next several months for it to reroot. And what you're after is you want those roots to extend out so that you can eventually maybe in a, this time next year, pull those stakes off and now the tree will stand up by itself. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the goal. Otherwise you've got a weak tree that's going to blow over in the house or do something right. not good. So kind of watch that one, keep it stake for a year and then humic all purpose food. The other one I'm hearing sometimes is, is it had a Y and the, the tree actually split in two. So it's got this giant split through the entire tree. What do you do there? Yeah, you could band it together, but that doesn't work very well because the tree will actually grow over that band and it gets kind of weird and kind of funky. 
you're better off to get a piece of all thread from your hardware store, head down to True Value or Ace, drill a hole right through the middle of that tree and, and just bolt, get a big, get big washer and some bolts, just screw it together and bring it back together. Mm -hmm. uh, that's your best bet. And so it'll actually, the tree will actually grow over all that hardware and you'll never know that it was a problem. That's the only chance you have. If it's split right to the ground, that's a little awkward. But if you think you can bring it together, drill a hole right to the tree, two bolts on either end, screw it together, and all three, and that'll kind of bring it together. And again, after a, a year or two, you'll get that cambium layer going over it. That next ring of wood will grow over that break, and it'll finally get its strength back. So if you've got some wind damage, if in doubt, come talk to us. Mm -hmm. We'll help you figure it out. Take a picture. Again, with the one that's split in the middle, you get the all-thread through it. Again, all-purpose plant food and humic. The same thing you do for that, that, that tree, because, you're again, you're trying to get that next spring's growth larger so a bigger band of of wood will actually grow around that and it'll heal itself over time so I've, I've done that several times with trees it does work mm -hmm. I've done it for really big trees and it works yeah so when you have storms like that you see the weakness of yeah. improper watering right. yeah yeah um, so i would say come talk to us about watering too because all yeah. these trees that just went whoop because they had no roots, there's a reason. they yeah. <laughs> Shallow <laughs> plants. It's just, yeah. you're watering frequently and not very deep. And so the roots are right there on the surface and the wind just it shows any weakness. Yeah. It just shows it right there. It just pops it right out of the ground. Right, right. Okay, next question is from Allison and Chinos. Her gardener wants her to prune back her apple and peach trees yeah. right now. Okay. She wants to know, is that okay? Is it too early? Is it better to wait? So, Okay. <laughs> Might be time for a new gardener. I'm not sure. So you can prune it now. You can absolutely do it. Um, the book says you can prune up to 10% of your foliage mass any time of year you want. That's kind of a haircut. Mm -hmm. It's a major pruning. You're trying to keep it down. You prune up to 30%, a third of the foliage mass, so the branch structure. This is a major cutback. Mm -hmm. That's done generally in the winter. So January through March. You could do it now. But the sap is flowing so fast and there's still a lot of bugs out. So mm -hmm. the insects will be drawn to the sap of a of a fruit tree, especially. Yeah. And so you, you're making that major cut and you're going to get potential for fungal and, and, and insect problems. Uh, you've got uh, woodpeckers can come in. There's all kinds of things that can happen. January, the sap is shut down. It's flowing very slowly. It's kind of in stasis. Mm -hmm. So you can make a cut. And really, you don't even need that black tar kind of stuff over the cut because the winter just kind of seals it off for you. If you're making a cut now, for sure, you're going to need that black tree pruning paint. Come and get a bottle and, and we'll help you administer that. But I would say if you could wait on fruit trees, wait until January, February, first part of March. That's the peak window. If you're reading any kind of garden books, that's what it tells you. That includes any kind of fruit tree, apples, pears, cherries, apricots, nectarines, pomegranates, you name it. They're all going to benefit from winter pruning. Okay. All right. Next question is from Jack in PV. He wants to know, what's the difference between um, products that are advertised as winterizer fertilizers okay. or winter fertilizers yeah. and the all-purpose gotcha. food that we have? Good question, Jack. Yeah, that's a great one. So... They're, they're saying winterizer, that's a chemical fertilizer. So they're going to use petroleum-based chemicals to 
come up with the carbon that the plants will feed off of. And there's a different winter formula than there is to a summer. So they release at different rates. The summer ones can't be picked up in the winter by plants and winter ones can't be picked up in the summer. So you need different chemicals to fertilize with. All purpose plant food, the one that we sell here is organic. Organic, there is no difference. The plants are picking it up organically it breaks down slower over a longer period of time. And so now you only need one kind of fertilizer and it will work winter, summer, fall. It just doesn't matter. Be consistent with it. It's the main thing there. Ours actually has the benefit of, it's got sulfur and iron, some other minerals in it that actually will create more health for that plant. It'll green it up better. Mm -hmm. And over a longer period of time, I'd say, Jack, if, you're, if you had a choice, buy it from Waters Garden Center. <laughs> It's a better fertilizer made for us. It's organic. It's not going to kill your birds or your pets. It's safer and you don't have to think through, is it winter or summer or which one do I use? But that's really the difference. Chemicals don't have to define the season that it's used. Organics, you don't. So great question. Ken and Lisa Lane, the Mountain Gardeners, will be back right after this important message. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. The Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Waters' October companion plants that grow well together are blaze maple, burning bush, Arizona creeper, spicy mums, and glamour kale. Few flowers are more elegant in fall than Waters' glamour kale. The autumn colors are perfect for containers, beds, and borders. And it's so easy to grow. This unique Prescott selection is an award winner for cold hardiness, intense red, purple flowers in a frilly package, all for $9. You'll find bright fall flowers here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. We believe small business can win against impersonal box stores at Waters Garden Center. Bring us the best time to be outdoors, garden, and create a personal oasis in your yard. If you don't know where to start, Waters Personal Garden Service allows you to book an hour of one-on-one -on -one time with an expert without the crowds. It's easy by phone or through our website. No lines, no waiting. Purchase a $200 gift card and we'll line you up with one of Waters' private gardeners. You're going to love your yard again. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott or at watersgardencenter.com. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. There's a, a couple things you really need to get on in the month of October. In the landscape, this is any of you from small yards to big yards. You want to fertilize everything in the yard. I can't emphasize that enough. The most important feeding of the entire year is right now, October. So when you start to see that fall color, that's your chance. And you're setting the stage for healthy winter plants that grow next spring with strong new growth. And that's evergreens, that's perennial flowers, that's fruit trees, fertilize everything. Lawns, fertilize everything. I, I recommend using the 744 all-purpose plant food for most things. It's, a, it's something I put together. It's a recipe that really works for plants up here in the, in the mountains of Arizona. So, that's, so do that. And the last one, the, the one that you wouldn't see coming, but weeds are bad. 
They're really bad. They've taken over certain areas. And so you've got an opportunity through the end of the month to kill weeds effectively. After it's starting November, it becomes very difficult. So your sprays, you're really doing it by hand or a hoe or something. You're going to be pulling those things out. Right now, you can, you can use your weed killers in a spray tank and they'll knock them right out. As we get cooler at night, in fact, it's almost too late to have Roundup even be effective. So it's just once you get below really 60 degrees, 65 degrees for Roundup, it's just ineffective. It'll spray the, you'll spray the weed, it yellows maybe, and then it comes right back with a vengeance. And so it doesn't really take them out because the plant shuts down. It's so cool. The plants, the, the, the activity within that plant is so slow that it just doesn't take it in enough of that weed killer. Uh, we do have one here at the garden center. It's called Decimate. It actually works down to 45 degrees. So it'll get you through mid-November, December 1, and it's still effective at killing weeds. But the point being, you really have an opportunity for the next few weeks to kill weeds so you're starting out this winter, you don't have a bunch of weed seeds just sitting there going to seed. You really don't want plants going to seed in your yard in the autumn. You want them dead. Otherwise, they'll come back with a vengeance next spring. If we get a good snow or a few rain cycles in March, oh, they're going to come right back at you and you've got twice the problem. You really want to take care of weeds right now. I mean, this month. And I would suggest using Decimate. That's what I'm using myself here at the garden center and at my house because it's so effective when the nights are cool. It's, it kills faster and it kills further into the season and it has a broader kill rate. It has more weeds that it takes out than a Roundup or some of these other vinegar-based. Vinegar is great for the annual types of weeds, but it does not kill the, kill the roots. It just top burns the top of the, the weeds. It doesn't take out the roots. So vinegars are okay, but if you've got whorehound, don't even waste your time. If you've got goat head, don't, don't waste your time. It doesn't take it out at the root level. You want the whole thing gone. And so decimate seems to do that better. I think that's put together by, by uh, high, no, by Fertilome. Fertilome, uh, decimate is the actual product name takes it out. Come in and we'll show you how to use it. Wait for me. So here's the insider scoop. I'll take my decimate. I'll put it into my one gallon sprayer. So let's think it's uh, three ounces to a gallon of water. So it's very concentrated. Makes a lot of gallons, one bottle. And then I'll add to that same tank. They got a, uh, an herbicide extender. It's what they call it. Or spreader sticker. Sometimes you'll hear it. So you add that in the same tank and it will knock down weeds. I mean, by the end of the day, you're going, oh my gosh, they are suffering. So it's kind of very gratifying. So what the extender does, a herbicide extender, it coats, it helps that killer to penetrate through that outer layer, the, the outer surface of the foliage, helps it penetrate deeper, faster. It takes it in faster, deeper, goes deeper into the roots, really is effective. So those two things. The other one, I've helped several folks here with oaks, what else are they trying to kill? Some some sycamore was getting out of the way. Out of the way. Uh, sumacs. Uh, what else? Uh, uh, the elm trees. They were trying to kill the elms coming up. That's a different product. Those those the decimate doesn't work on those. Roundup doesn't work on those. It'll burn off the top, 
but you really need something formulated for more woody products. So there we've got a, a liquid. It's called Brush and Stump Killer. It's Again, it looks kind of like Roundup or kind of like Decimate, but it's different. It acts differently. So it travels up and down the, the root structure better of that tree or that oak tree or whatever it is, elm tree, and knocks it right out. If you've got a bigger tree and you don't want it to sucker or start coming back on you, there, if you right after the cut, pour some of that brush and stump killer on top of that fresh cut while it's still wounded, while it's still oozing some sap. You can pour it on full strength right there. It will obliterate that entire root structure without poisoning the soil. So it, does, it only taints, it only kills the roots. So you can go right back within a few days and plant a fresh tree, a new shrub, another plant without affecting the soil. So brush and stump killer for big woody things, decimate with some herbicide extender for all the other things, and you'll be weed free probably after, probably by the end of the weekend, it'll be weed free. You'll be going, oh, I can, it's working, it's good. So that's how you take care of weeds and fertilize by the end of the month. It's important and it'll make a difference in your gardens through next spring. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Water's companion plants that grow well together are blaze maple, burning bush, spicy mums, glamour kale, and red wall creeper. Water's red wall creeper is specially selected to dress up those miles of stockade fence. A mountain vine with rich green foliage turns fire engine red through autumn. Water's native vines are just $49 and both deer and rabbit proof. You'll find the showiest vines here at Waters Garden Center. Google, give me directions to Waters Garden Center. We believe butterflies are magic in the garden at Waters Garden Center. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding with a few Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. All right, so back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio, and we give a segment just for the feminine, more, the pretty side of gardening. So <laughs> you just have a glow about you today, oh, yesterday, you. and well, you know, tomorrow. I try. I don't know. You just get prettier every year we're married for some reason. <laughs> you're not that 26-year-old I married before, but dang, you're prettier now than you were back then. Well, thank you. It's you got a glow. Kind. Yeah. I think most husbands that are kind of that way. Of course, I'm not looking for a younger model. I just want you. <laughs> That's a good thing. Can you say that over the airwaves? No. Okay, never, I retract that. Thank you. No, I don't. <laughs> anyway, Lisa comes with her garden garden tips. So she's got a great, just green thumb. I think we can learn from that. So to share a different perspective of gardening, my better half, Lisa, comes in and helps us kind of get a different angle on gardening. Yeah. So we've been through uh, the summer, spring, summer seasons yeah. when a lot of those shrubs are blooming or actively growing. And we, we've put a lot of color into our yards, roses, Rose of Sharon, crepe myrtles, all those great summer blooming yeah. shrubs. Uh, but those things are starting. You can look at them. They're kind of going, mm, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go to bed for the winter. Yeah. You're starting to see fall color. Most of the <laughs> yeah. maples out front are yeah. starting. They get that. Another week and they'll mm -hmm. be glorious. Right. So right now they got just a tinge. Right. 
So things are, those deciduous shrubs, those shrubs that lose their leaves, yeah. are starting to think, I'm going to go to bed. And you can see a change in the colors, a little more pale. So now is the time to think, hmm, do I need some evergreens in my yard? Do hmm. I need more evergreens? And I think I go through, it seems to be one or the other. You drive by a person's yard and there's nothing but green, just yeah. evergreens. <laughs> And the next person has nothing but flowery stuff in the wintertime. Maybe they don't care. I don't know. But it's it's dead looking, even though they're not dead. But your landscape looks bland. not real happy. Yeah. Bland. So evergreens are those plants that maybe not the biggest showiest shrubs always, but they really give you a good basis for your landscape. Foundation or an mm -hmm. anchor in the, right. in the landscape. So 20% of your landscape should be dedicated to mm -hmm. evergreens. Right. If you're, this is your winter home, you're, this is where you winter from Minnesota or Wisconsin or Alaska, mm -hmm. maybe more than that, because right. this is when you're here. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing about Arizona or Prescott, this area is we have with such wonderful winters. Yeah. You can be out in your yard quite a bit. Yeah. It's not like we're hibernating inside <laughs> for the winter. Put here. a layer on. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. So evergreen shrubs, okay. not trees. We'll do that another time. So this is shrubs. Okay, great. So one of the first ones that I really like is anything in the euonymus family. Don't ask me to spell it. Not I euonymus, euonymus. Or you call it anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, plants in that euonymus family, most of them, there's a few that will lose their leaves, but 90% of yeah. them keep them. And the other thing about the plants in that family is a lot of them are variegated. So you see yellow and green, yellow and, and, um, and so white silver, kind of a cream color and green. So the nice thing about that is it's really giving you that shot of color out in the yard in the dead of winter, because from, from the house, you're looking at the going, is that blooming or is yeah. that a yellow leaf on there? Yeah. So the gold spots, the golden euonymus, the emerald gaieties, uh, Silver King Euonymus. And they the other thing about them is they come in different heights. So you some, get some that get five, six feet tall, some that stay two, three feet tall. So there's, there's a shrub in that family that will fit almost anywhere in your yard. The only drawback with them yes. is they're not very animal resistant. Well, yeah. <laughs> so if you've got a lot of deer, a lot of bunny, you, you might reconsider that unless it's yeah. fenced off. or in Wildland interface, you know, a hidden, hidden valley mm -hmm. or, or uh, those areas, maybe right. a different variety, mm -hmm. but in the track home areas, it's great to right. use yeah. them. I, I, the, my favorite is called winter creeper. Yeah. Euonymus That's a nice one. gets a ground cover, mm -hmm. but it turns it's, it's evergreen. But it has this, it turns from golds and silvers to purples and mm -hmm. reds right. through the winter. It's, they're mm -hmm. fabulous. They're yeah. amazing. I agree. I agree. That's a good one. Full sun, takes our wind. They're good plants. <laughs> it is a good plant. Another really good plant that is animal resistant that has the variegated to it is the Eliagnus silverberry. Yeah. So that one's yellow and green, uh, really bright colored there again. But tends to be very deer resistant, javelina resistant. So that one gets about five by five, somewhere in there. We've got but some you that are taller than our head. They're taller mm -hmm. than us pretty easily. So mm -hmm. we have quite a few of those and mm -hmm. they're beautiful and yeah. they're native. So right. once they get up to size, cut them off of all water. Mm -hmm. They'll be fine by themselves because right. they're truly, truly an Arizona native plant. Mm -hmm. uh, silverberry. Silverberry. Uh, another really good one that people are really familiar with is the boxwoods. Yeah. 
because that's it's Midwest, East Coast, uh, but very animal resistant. So yeah. it's a good one for that. Nice dark green foliage yeah. just gives you that really rich green out there. Uh, we usually have the Winter Gym and the uh, Green Mountain. So Winter Gym gets a little wider. Green Mountain stays a little more narrow, so it can fit. We even have some called Petite Pillar. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Tall and narrow or Actually, small short and narrow. narrow. <laughs> short and narrow. <laughs> Petite. Yeah. yeah. So boxwoods are a great one. Um, and of course, the uh, Nandina, things in the Nandina yeah. family. There's plum passion, which gets a little taller, that has a real pretty purple yeah. uh, foliage to it. There's Tuscan flame, Gulf Stream, uh, Sienna Sun. Regular Rice, Domestica, regular which is domestica. the big one. That's one uh, Californians call it uh, heavenly bamboo because mm -hmm. it has bamboo stalks. It's not a bamboo. Not a bamboo. It's not going to run. Sort of has that, but but easier to care for. Animals don't, I mean, they, they adapt really well. Mm -hmm. They look soft. They're evergreen. Yeah. And in the sun, they turn a bright red. Right. And the more shade, they stay kind of green. More green. But it's amazing. You drive around in the winter and you see these bright red shrubs and everybody's like, what are those? What are yeah. those? I'm going, that's an Andina. They're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yes. <laughs> No, that's not it. So, <laughs> yes, it yeah, is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In this, if they get a lot of sun, they're just beautiful through the winter time. Uh, so, Nandinas are a good one. Cotoneasters, otherwise known as cotton easters. <laughs> yeah, if you're from the Midwest, cotton easter. If you're from everywhere else, it's cotoneaster. So, there's cotoneaster parnii. Gets six by six. Really pretty in the wintertime. It does get a little more of a bronzy color to it, but it has really nice red berries yeah, on it. Beautiful. So that's a great plant for here. The other one is the gray leaf cotoneaster. Um, I really like that plant. I think if you're if you're trying to stay kind of more nativey looking, yeah, uh, the gray leaf is a wonderful one to put in, and it's about a four by four. Yeah, hip high or so, and then mm -hmm. uh, again, once it gets up to size. Cut it off of all care. It'll go by itself. It's truly right. an Arizona native. Mm -hmm. It does not need more water after that. Right. It's another one that does the red berry. So yeah. it's really pretty. It has that gray foliage with the red berry on yeah. it. It's really attractive. Then you have the shorter cotoneasters, the coral beauties, the eichholz. Those are more your ground cover yeah. ones. Uh, but do really, really well here. Nice evergreens. What about junipers? Well, I was going to get to junipers. Okay. See, that's the number one. We're surrounded by juniper forests. They're not I, natives. But every time I go, oh, and junipers, people go, oh, no, not junipers. And I'm like, There's no, There's a place really? for them. There's, There's what? Well, yeah. Junipers do fabulous here. Uh, everything from the mint juleps that get four to six feet tall and wide. Uh, tamarics gets about two foot tall. The the uh, Calgary carpet, the blue chips, the nice low growing ground. Like a carpet. Mm -hmm. So a, a, a secret. So just garden trivia. Uh, male junipers are a problem. They're the ones that cause all the grief. <laughs> The All the pollen. Yellow. They're the ones that cause allergies. Females don't do that. They're the ones that put the berries on. So they, they don't like have juice. pollen. So you want the female variety, not the male variety of junipers, and you won't have the allergies. Yeah. And so and, and if, what we do is we'll pick out a beautiful female. We'll take cuttings and we'll start those and root them out. So the only ones you'll find here at Waters Garden Center are females. females. We don't start by seed. We start mm -hmm. by cuttings. Mm -hmm. So we can get exact clones of a female so you don't you've got prettier plant without mm -hmm. the pollen issue so there's a place for them oh i agree anyway i, agree. I know your list goes long but we just looks like we just ran yeah. out of don't time don't forget Sorry. about manzanita that's oh, yeah. the other one <laughs> that's a no-brainer you yeah. got half of them are true natives half are 
ornamentals that think they're natives, right. but lots of evergreen you can plant right now. Mm -hmm. Enjoy them right through winter. They'll be they're beautiful. Yep. Ken Lane, The Mountain Gardeners. Be right back after this. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. I used to be cocky and actually dared to beat the big boxes at their own game. Since the beginning, we were known for the very best plants in town. But with youthful ambition, we added a line of inferior plants, contractor grade, that matched the box stores and beat their prices. We failed miserably. The plants were side by side. Waters hand-picked quality at the higher price and the inferior plants at the lower price with astounding results. The inferior plants, not bad quality, just not full and nice, were still there a month later. The hand-picked quality plants, they had been restocked twice and the bench was empty again. The youthful cockiness, it's tempered and with age comes wisdom and knowing who you really are. Waters Garden Center doesn't compete with the marts and the boxes. We simply grow the very best plants our family is famous for. We will never offer inferior plants. Cross my heart. Pinky swear. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road, here in Prescott. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, Welcome your host, Ken Lane. So I've got a list, a couple lists here at the Garden Center that are, if you've got animal problems, they're the ones you kind of want to plant and, and what to stay away from, not really what to stay away from, but what to plant, what to focus in on. So if you've got deer, a herd of deer sitting there, you know, bedding in the backyard, You've got problems. You can't just have anything out there or they'll come in and graze your your landscape. You've got expensive deer food out there for them to eat. Rabbits, javelina. So these are all issues. Uh, squirrels, uh, pack rats. These are all, I've got some lists for them. But let me just go over a few of those that I just know they're bulletproof. They just are consistent. You'll see them in your neighborhoods. I mean, if you're in doubt, Walk your neighborhood because that herd of javelina, they, they peruse the entire neighborhood, the whole street. They're going up and down looking for pumpkins, looking for your pansies, your kale, looking to eat certain plants that are their favorites. They're like people. They got their favorite tastes like you and I do. And so that you're going to love that ornamental kale, any vegetable. Oh, they're going to go after it. So truly the only way to keep them out of your vegetable garden is to fence them. That's the only way to truly keep them out. Uh, I, I've heard folks say, oh, I can put ivory soap out there. They won't. They don't like the, the smell. It smells like people. Okay, yeah, it works for like two nights and they go, I'm used to this. They come right back at you. I've heard uh, coyote urine, lion urine. I don't know where you get lion pee from, but yes, it does work. The smell of predators do keep them away, but then it evaporates off within the next uh, rainstorm or it's so dry here that it evaporates off and it's infected by the end of the week. So there's, it's not a long-term fix. It's very short-term. I, I was selling these uh, ultrasonic kind of scare them away kind of, uh, kind of mechanisms for javelina. And it, it worked. It was highly, highly effective. It worked really well. 
had a, had a few gardeners try them. They're going, Ken, this, this is working. But after about six months, they got used to that sound and they started coming into the garden again. So I stopped selling those because it wasn't a long-term fix. Truly, the only way to, to truly keep them away is, is, is the right plants. And so what you'll find is animals don't like the smell of herbs. It's just something about them. And I know you use fresh rosemary and thyme and you know, fennel in, in, in the kitchen. We enjoy them, but animals don't like it. They don't like the oils or the scent. And they're just used to, oh, if I eat too much rosemary, it makes me sick to my stomach. We just use a little bit to flavor things. They're eating the whole bush and they get sick. So they just know, oh, I don't like lavender. I don't like all those smelly herbs. So I would say focus in on those first and foremost for the shrub piece. Some of your native plants, like there's a native cotoneaster, native eleagnus. There's native plants. They don't eat manzanita. They just know it doesn't taste good. Makes them, they've got some sap in them that kind of keeps them away. So these native plants have had a way of defending themselves over the millennia, going, oh, I know deer aren't going to eat this. And so they, they change themselves so that the animals don't like the taste or makes them, not, doesn't kill them, just makes them sick going, oh, I don't like this. Oh, oh. I'll just go focus on this stuff that's good. Uh, euphorbias. Yeah, there's, there's quite a few. Uh, the most famous of them is gopher plant, euphorbia. There's, um, there's, there's quite a few. There's several that are perennial here. So a poinsettia is actually from the euphorbia family. And when you break off a poinsettia brack, that, that Christmas red plant that, that you take inside, it's not winter hardy here, but uh, indoors we'll use it to decorate for the holidays. But when you break that off, that white sap, kind of milky looking sap comes, that all euphorbias have that feature within them. So the, the hardy ones, the native ones like gopher spurge and all these others, these have this white septum. And so it gets into their mouth. They eat a branch or two and they kind of go, whoa, what is this? It's a defensive mechanism this plant has used to keep them off of it. So highly effective against all animals, deer, rabbit, javelina, pack rats, squirrels, you name it. They don't like them. It's quite a few native flowers that, that do that. So echinaceas, gallardias, uh, the, the most famous of them all or number one seller, and I don't know how famous it is, here, here at Waters Garden Center, the number one seller is autumn sage and Russian sage. If it has the word sage or salvia in it. It's from that herbal family. And when you rub that, that branch of the foliage, you'll just get this wisp of, of herbal fragrance that smells like, like culinary sage. Animals know that's a bad taste, bad smell, don't eat it. So the you would think autumn sage would be just delicious. It looks beautiful. It's got these red flowers, grows like knee, knee high. Hummingbirds love it, butterflies like them, but animals don't like it. So it's a good plant. Even if you got a, a pack of javelina running through the yard, they're not gonna bother that one. They don't like the smell. In fact, sometimes I'll use those. I'll use like a society garlic. It's an ornamental garlic. I'll put it in, my, in the middle of my container and I use it to taint the smell, to hide the smell of my pansies and some of my other things that I know Havelina will kind of go towards. But if they're smelling garlic instead of pansies or violas, they won't, they seem to leave it alone. So you can use them as a defense 
to, to kind of keep as a barrier or bubble around some of your plants that might be eaten, it'll hide them. So there's some tricks like that. Some of your, your evergreens are pretty much strong. They're strong as far as animals don't bother them because we're surrounded by evergreen forests. So you know they're not going to like pines, pinyon pines, ponderosa pines, Austrian. If it says pine, you're probably good. Junipers. They're not going to bother junipers, any of them. The native junipers, alligator, sh shaggy barks, to the smaller shrub forms like tam junipers, uh, fitzers, the ground cover varieties like carpets and Calgary, any time that says creeping or, or carpet or buffalo junipers, they're not going to like any of them. They just leave them alone. They just know juniper's bad. It makes me feel bad. I'm not going to eat that. It's good for shade in the summer, but otherwise leave it alone. Don't eat it. So it's great. And they're so tough. So great for commercial, um, in, industrial, uh, investor kind of rental properties. It's great plants because you don't have to worry about animals and the tenants can't kill them. They're just so tough. Some others, some native uh, cotoneaster. That's, that's, there's some wild ones. They just know, oh, they don't bother any of the cotoneasters. So whether it's an ornamental ground cover like Coral Beauty or a native gray leaf cotone. They don't bother those at all. They look delicious. They're nice green, evergreen foliage to it. Pretty berries, the birds like to eat, but the animals don't bother it. So as you're designing your landscape, and, and if you need a list of those, come in. I've got, I've got, there's hundreds of plants. I could go on and on for, for three hours just talking about the different plants you can have and the ones to really stay away from. If you're in doubt, put one test victim out there. Don't commit to the entire landscape. You'll know within a night or two if they're going to eat it. So put one out there and go, oh, let's just see how it does. Because they're noticing the second you put a new thing in, in the yard, all the animals, they're bored. This is like their TV. Hey, let's watch, let's watch the game tonight. They're not doing that. They're going, hey, a new plant. Hey, what'd they do out here? It's different. Let's go check it out. Hey, Bob, follow me. And so they're, they're checking this new thing out in your yard right away. So try one before you commit you know, $1,000 to this hedgerow of a privacy screen, Euonymus, and every deer and rabbit are going to eat that when you should have gone with Eliagnus or Ketoniaster, some of these silverberries that they for sure don't eat. So we can guide you through. If in doubt, kind of, kind of come talk to us. Go, hey, I've got, I've got pack rats. Oh my gosh, I can't believe how bad they are. First of all, we'll show you how to kill rats. You should not have rats, and you rats are bad for you. They have disease. They eat things. You get in the house. They strip the wire. I mean, my uh, grandmother's house up at at the base of uh, Thumb Butte when she's living there, rats got up in the attic and stripped all the insulation off the wires. You do have to rewire the house. You don't want rats in your yard. <laughs> have them go to your neighbors, someone you don't like. Let's just get them out of there or, or kill them. They just don't deserve to be in the yard. So anyway, we'll show you how to do, and which plants they generally will leave alone. Squirrels are kind of tricky, but there's some they'll generally, because they're not just eating them, they're kind of bedding and they're nesting with them. So they've got different purposes for the plants. And so that's, come and ask for the javelina, resistive plant list or the deer and rabbit resistive plant list at the garden center if you need help kind of honing that or you can go to our website watersgardencenter.com just type in rabbit in the up in the search bar on the right all that material will come right up for you including some youtube videos uh, just 
Type in Havelina, it'll pop right up and kind of help you out. All right, we got more. You have to take a break, though. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Waters October companion plants that grow well together are burning bush, spicy mums, glamour kale, and red fox sedge. Fox sedge has striking clumps of red foliage that fades to flocks, giving off a warm glow. An attractive foliage effect in container gardens, perennial beds, and fountain accents. A good choice in poor draining pockets along dry stream beds and beside large landscape boulders. You'll find foxy red grasses, just $17, here at Waters Garden Center. Google, give me directions to Waters Garden Center. Hi, Lisa here with the finds of the week and our Ascot Rainbow Euphorbia. Deer don't like this beautiful perennial. Rabbits loathe the milky sap. And javelina, leave it alone. This evergreen flower is adorned by leaves and gilded edges of gold. Simply stunning and thrives in the dry hot spaces in the garden all for under $12. Plant this one in beds, street side landscapes, and containers. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Where people who love evergreen flowers, they love to shop. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. So now, two weeks ago, we had an event here at the Garden Center called Grapes for Good. And it's been going, this is our 16th year. So there's one year we took a break. So 2020, because of COVID, we couldn't have it. Last year, 21, we kind of pushed it off from summer into fall, and it was a great success. This year, uh, September, what is that, 25th, we had an event called Grapes for Good. And I, I give the Garden Center after hours to a nonprofit, and I gave it to Prescott Frontier Rotary. It's kind of my rotary club. And they raise money for their causes. They're, they're plugged into their community. They know the heart and soul of the community. And so if we can help those nonprofits raise money and give them not just money, but help them with your talent. So nonprofits don't have a marketing team. They don't have a finance team. They don't have a promotion. They don't know, they're not as connected in the community as let's say a for-profit business is. So we know the attorneys, accountants, we know the marketing agents, we, know all, we have all those connections. And so Lisa and I, we tend to go, we support that cause. And so we've had Alzheimer's and breast cancer and ballet troops here doing this after hours. And so once a quarter, we tend to line with, with a nonprofit and help them just kind of do better. We'll give them, you know, we, we, we go with a $1,000 bill to give to that cause. But, but really what's beneficial, we put our entire marketing team to help promote their event here at the Garden Center. They can't do that. The press release, I'm going to have that go out, I think, on Tuesday going, here's what happened. So we can help them follow up and get more, get them recognized at all the good that they're doing. So I think that's how this, this public and private kind of combination, partnership, really can make a difference. We just need these nonprofits. We need, we need a few folks to rally around their ideas, their causes, with some, some, some resources, not just money, with resources that help them be better than they could be by themselves. And the community has changed. And so Grapes for Good raised $129,000 in three hours on September 25th here at Waters Garden Center because of 
Prescott Frontier Rotary. They came in and just started promoting this and they stand for such great causes. So they've got a, a math and reading clinic for kids in the summer. They've got a, a path to graduation for Bradshaw Mountain. Uh, these seniors, that just they just need a credit more. They fund that extra online credit for them to make sure that they graduate. They've got a, a leadership thing, a huge Bradshaw and Prescott. They've got uh, um, Interact, kind of after school clubs where kids can come and train. And then they've got uh, international exchange students coming back and forth. One of their causes is world peace. They truly believe it's written in their, 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 what they stand for, world peace. And the way they do that is they just have, they've got a college program, a professional program, and a high school program where they exchange. One of our Prescott kids will go out to, let's say, Japan, and then the, one of their kids will come here. And so you learn, you, you live with their families in their homes. You go to that high school, wherever they're at, and then you learn that, that culture, you learn that language. And that's what creates you have mutual respect. A great program. We've had it in our own home. We've had a Turkish kid, a Taiwanese kid, and a Russian kid of all things from St. Petersburg, Irina Korsakova. Oh, love that gal. We follow her still on Facebook. I know all this stuff's going on on the, on the planet, but... Our family loves them. We love their family. Just kind of, this is a this is not political. This is personal, and so you learn to respect each other better. So just they got a great cause that way. Probably shouldn't have mentioned that with all this Ukraine stuff going on. Another one they've given, they've raised over fifteen million dollars for Ukraine, medicine, food, water, and the surrounding refugees that are being pushed out. So they're trying to Rotary is trying to make a difference, but that money will go to, into the community making it. Thank you, folks. Basically. For supporting that, you, you, it, it warms my heart. You made such a huge difference in our Central Highlands area. This is the signals group out that that's Fain Signature Group out in Prescott Valley. We had the Daily Courier, uh, the, the, the Mossy Foundation, the, the um, oh, there are so many Lamb Chevrolet, the Pinnacle Bank, Foothills Bank, all supported this so well. Thank you. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Waters Garden companion plants for September are raywood ash, Russian sage, honeysuckle, and ivory feathers pampas grass. Ivory feathers is a dwarf pampas grass that blends perfectly into desert landscapes. The ivory plumes reach overhead height for architectural style around patios and ponds. Well suited as a visual barrier or hedge in the far reaches of the yard. You will find only the brightest grasses here at Waters Garden Center. Shop in store or online at watersgardencenter.com. We believe bees are in danger. We can save them at Waters Garden Center. I hate weeds. Monsoon rains are so refreshing, even my landscape comes alive, but so do my weeds. Stop weeds in their track in one simple step. Water's weed and grass stopper spreads like fertilizer. It kills weed seed before monsoon rains allow them to sprout. No need to weed. It's safe for trees, even flower beds, and so much safer than that toxic waste the big box sells. Weed and grass stopper, it's just $24 and only found at Water's Garden Center in Prescott. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. 